everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk to you about some stuff that either you didn't learn thoroughly, didn't learn correctly, or didn't learn at all in school. But in my case, at least, you definitely should have. In my case, you probably did, but only part of it. Well, it has been one hell of a long week this week. Oh my god. And nothing particularly bad happened. Just one of those weeks that would not end. I think it was just the collective every fucking person in Kansas City waiting for the Super Bowl, making the week stretch out, even though we aren't doing anything. I am so excited. Oh, let's we'll keep, keep going. going. <laughs> I am so excited for the Super Bowl. Oh my, we have the best plans for Super Bowl Sunday. See, we both hate football with a fiery passion. It's like ever since the concussion thing. I just can't do it anymore. See, I didn't like it before that. I did go to... Almost every home game at our high school because I liked the marching band. Yeah, same here. But with all of that really straightforward information about how even kids who people have only done peewee football are leaving with traumatic brain injuries and they know it and they are ignoring it. Now that's the thing that's bothering me. Intense amount of cover up that this was actually happening. But we're excited for it. Not because we plan to watch. The one time I ever went to a professional football game, I was... 12, maybe 13, I was being fine. I I wasn't bothering anybody. We just had binoculars because we were in the nosebleeds. This woman, instead of saying, excuse me, when she wanted to get past us, put her hand in front of our binoculars and went, move, 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 every single time, hitting them into my face every single time. And I don't know how often this woman had to pee or what, but she was getting up several times. And so that turned me off from going to Chiefs games ever again. But, but, and this is why to this day I believe in karma. Towards the end of the game, you know, bitch queen of Chiefs Landia is coming up the stairs, trips, falls face first, and breaks her nose. Oh, that is just, that makes you believe in karma right there. It does. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm glad that she got hurt, but I'm hoping she learned a lesson about her behavior that day. No, she absolutely didn't. Because that's not how you treat people, especially a kid who is not being obnoxious. Like, it was just me and my uncle watching a game, and we gladly would have stood up for her and moved every time. And it's also worth noting that there was nobody seated in front of or behind us, so she could have just stepped over the chairs. From what it sounds like, I don't think she could have stepped over the chairs. Oh, last time I went to uh, Kaufman, I went to see the Billy Joel concert, which was awesome. Guy in front of me is a little schwasty. And does that thing that I'm always terrified of, where he falls. We're in the upper levels, Austin. You know how oh, no, steep like, that is? Oh, yeah. Okay, he didn't I've fall told you down. this, right? Yeah, he fell, okay, I like forgot for a second and thought he like fell over the Almost. Edge. Almost. He fell and then yeah. rolled down over people because they weren't expecting it so their backs weren't straight. And he just rolled over them almost to the front where he hit somebody who just happened to have good posture. They were so annoyed. It was funny. But yeah, it's... People are always like, stand up, take a photo with the stadium behind you. And I refuse to. And they act like I'm being irrational. No. The chairs that are there and the barrier that are there are right at knee level. That is the right height to fall. And I'm terrified of heights anyway. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that was our tangent about that. Um, Our Our, plans. Our first tangent of many. Uh, the only thing I like about football is Patrick Mahomes. I just think he's so cute. I was, you sent me that story today about how, like, he was, he loved it. Like, he was in a restaurant and nobody bugged him or asked for an autograph or a selfie. And then he just walked out and said, I love everybody in Kansas City. Thank you so much for and letting me And he had bought person. all of their food. Yeah. But that's the, that is the way Kansas Cityans are for the most part, as long as you're a local celebrity. If you're not, you know, if you're in from out of town, they'll bug you. 
But like a friend of mine saw Paul Rudd at Oklahoma Joe's back when it was still Oklahoma Joe's. And everybody was acting like it was normal to see him there because he's from here. Rob Riggle's from here. Um, He went to our, uh, Rob Riggle went to our high school. Yeah, he did. He uh, he mentioned one of my theater teachers and forensics coach on one of the late night shows once. Uh, and about how they played pranks over the radio, because uh, yeah. we had a radio station back in the day. And don't worry, the Rob Riggle smell was completely out of our high school <laughs> by the time we got there. We love you, Rob Riggle. We know you listen to us. But anyway, our plan for the Super Bowl, because we both hate football, we are going to go to brunch at Hamburger Mary's, because neither one of us has yeah. ever been. It's going to be f- dragtastic. We are going to go see Little Women, because the movie theater will be empty. Yep. We're going to go to Trader Joe's because even more importantly, Trader Joe's will be empty. And I'm going to be by the good Trader Joe's, the one with the alcohol, because prohibition is still a thing in Kansas. Yeah, um, I went to Trader Joe's a couple weeks ago and I'm finishing off my three buck chuck right now. Like literally at this moment, I have it in my hand. So I need some more three buck chuck, which is wine that is literally three dollars, kids. Not kids. Wait till you're 21. Don't be an idiot. It's it's a wine that's $3. Parents. Yes, parents to get through these long, hard nights of parenthood. Trader Joe's in Missouri has three bucks, Chuck. It tries to be fancy. See, back in my day, it had a rooster on it. But now it says Charles Shaw on it. I mean, it's a Charles, Charles Shaw too. Shaw. But it was all, it's trying to be all fancy. Guys, it's $3. Go get it to survive whatever you need to survive. Bring it to the teachers at parent-teacher conferences. Wrap it up in a thing. Say it's, tell them to say it's lotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, no. Yeah. Don't bring wine to teachers. Teachers don't drink wine or coffee or take medications for their mental health. Have yeah. I covered everything? You've covered everything. But still, seriously, bring them some wine or, I guess, pot. <laughs> but be really, 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 like chill about it do not bring the teacher's pot bring them wine it's fine even in places where marijuana is legal now teachers are usually not legally allowed to use it so unless and it's even a little gray area if they have a medical card because schools can any at any point uh randomly drug test and because it is still against federal law teachers are usually still able to get fired etc for having it in their system even if it's medical grade, even if they can prove they've never used it on campus. Yeah, okay, don't bring your teacher's pot. But wine? Absolutely. The worst case scenario is they have to give it to somebody else because they're not going to drink it. Yeah. And wine makes a great present. You can always regift wine. You can. Even three buck Chuck, there is somebody out there, me, who will want it. Uh, my entire family who will be impressed by your ability to find a bargain. So, oh, and after Trader Joe's, we're going to go to Hertz Donut. Which is, we found out is open 24 hours. I am using my legitimate and diagnosed insomnia incorrectly. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to wake up one like morning. It'll be like four in the morning. And she's going to be standing over me and she's going to be eating a donut. Then she's going to look me in the eye and hold out a bag and say, do you want one? They come in a box, bro. A Fine, box. she'll open a box in front of me. I'll still be half asleep. And then I'll assume I have died. And this is... Some sort of weird purgatory. Okay, though, you know for a fact that I get annoyed when you try to eat my food while you're asleep. Like, if I bring food into the bedroom and he takes it from me, there is nothing that makes me angrier because it is my independent snack time. Well, if if you wanted me to not wake up, maybe you shouldn't eat the crunchiest fucking food in we bed. We only have crunchy food. Oh my god, he went out of town last weekend. I had the house to myself. I ordered so much junk food. I ate jalapeno popper pizza from Toppers. Toppers, you can sponsor us. I'm okay with it. And I ate 
Chicken wings also from Toppers. Toppers, you can sponsor us. I'm okay with it. And I ate all kinds of like queso. I had the worst heartburn because I am in my 30s and cannot eat like that anymore. But I didn't have to share. I'm a very good sharer. He can tell you that. Except for when he eats my leftovers from restaurants, in which case there is no fury like me. But it was awesome. It was awesome. And what else did I do, Austin? You cleaned. And you used the label maker on the drawers. I cleaned our kitchen and I labeled every single drawer so he never has to ask me where something is again. It is all in her own terms. So it's like, there's like, what does this mean? Okay, none of it is unclear. I literally list out everything that's in the drawers in some cases. Let the record show it can be unclear. Well, yeah, if we're talking about the one that where the N didn't type in, so it says utisels. I love the utisel jar. Don't change the utisel jar. But things like, how is... Stuff for baking unclear. It is things traditionally used in baking and not cooking. There's a lot of overlap. There is, but it's things that if you were going to do one or the other, you'd be more likely to pull it out. Yeah. <laughs> hey oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we are so incredibly off topic. I don't even know what tangent we started on. Football. Football. So yeah, we've got the best plans. Um, we're going to have so much fun. We might even get takeout in addition to all of this other junk food. And we got to find a restaurant to go to in the evening, Austin, because we never go places because they're always full. I suggested Cheesecake Factory. We could go to Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake Factory is... Okay, if you're not from Kansas City, and especially if you're not from Johnson County, it's you don't a- understand the lengths that people will go to to get Cheesecake Factory. That is like our equivalent of fancy without getting into you need to have a dress code to get in here level fancy. But their banana cream cheesecake is my favorite. I don't think I've ever had the cheesecake at Cheesecake Factory. (gasps) Oh, then we're definitely going to Cheesecake Factory. I also really do not like Cheesecake Factory. It's uncomfortably Midwestern even for me. But Austin, you have to go in there and just soak in the mixed different cultures they tried to put in there all at once. It's amazing. It's like someone had a real fancy yard sale and someone bought it all. Okay, I think you're mostly mad because that's what I want our house to look like. It's just a garage sale full of crap that made, that I turn into decor. Kind of like we're going to do with ugly Christian record covers. We're going to just decorate a room yes! with them. Yes! And we're going to try and recreate the photos. Thanks for the dove. <laughs> God's chosen puppet. No one's going to understand us, even less than usual. But let's actually get started. How's that sound? Yeah, we've been going on for like an hour now. Yeah. Yeah, it's been 90 minutes already. 90 minutes? 90 minutes. Whoa. 11 minutes. Okay, that's like 90 minutes in um, dog years. In dog years. And Draco's already been on my lap and gotten disgusted and run off twice now. Well, I start today because I talked about school lunches last, last time. Yay, school lunches! And as far as I know, that whole thing hasn't been resolved because today we're, you know, not impeaching people anymore and banning other countries from visiting and deciding that coronavirus is a bigger deal than the flu, even though per capita it's killed fewer people. Yeah. But whatever. Get your damn flu vaccine, kids. Get your damn flu vaccine. It's like, I don't care what Karen tells you. Get the fucking vaccine. Except for Karen Kilgariff, who would never tell you to not get the vaccine unless you're a serial killer. In which case, don't get vaccines if you're serial killers. Actually, do get the vaccine if you're a serial killer because herd immunity is important. That's true. As somebody who had a medical exemption and then got the disease because someone decided that they were more important than me medically being unable to get taken care of. Yeah, herd immunity is more important. Serial killers, go ahead and do it too. Yep. 
Wow, our pro. Uh, we have a very strong pro serial killer stance on this podcast now, I guess. So, in the past, I have mentioned my topic a few times. <gasps> and it is something we definitely should have learned in school because it would have made all of this so much more interesting. So, tell me something you know about William Shakespeare. There were some parts of Macbeth that he probably didn't write because the meter is different. Did you know that he didn't write any of his plays by himself? No. <laughs> I am team Shakespeare with Shakespeare. To, for the record, I do not think Shakespeare was somebody else. However, Shakespeare was part of a troupe. And the troops traditionally, even if he wrote the story, they altered it together. It was They had an editorial team. <gasps> oh my God. So it was like the writer's room. Yeah, it was basically that. They would try out things and see if it worked. They also didn't have directors. Directors are actually the newest part of theater, in ter- except for things that are technological based, technology based. They had stage managers because you can't get by without a goddamn stage manager. No, it's like we needed a stage man- manager at a memorial service and there was like 10 of us. I've had to stage manage so many weddings and the brides didn't even know I was doing it. Yeah, That's the sign of a good stage manager. She's she's kind of like Batman that way. She just wears a mask. She comes at night. She speaks in a real deep voice and she fixes your problems. Then she disappears. All right. Well, I am talking about Shakespeare today. Yay! But I am not doing my full Shakespeare story. I have decided to break Shakespeare up over several episodes, not in a row. So if you're not a Shakespeare person, you don't have to worry. Are you, wait, are you just like dismembering Shakespeare like a serial killer? How can you tell these are the, these body parts are your brother? It is definitely my brother Reese. Those are Reese's pieces. And good night, folks. <laughs> so I've talked about Shakespeare stealing a theater before. Yes! I've mentioned it in passing. It's always been if Shakespeare can steal a theater, you can do anything. Now, I've thought about doing just an episode on Shakespeare, but the facts about him and his plays and everything else are too varied for that to just be worthwhile. Like, he's fascinating, and I'm excited to cover him another time. And before you get all, oh, she's just a theater person, I'm actually iffy on Shakespeare. I think he is fascinating. But here's the deal is that we teach him wrong. We teach him so that people can't learn him. We teach him so that we can keep teaching him. Because if we taught him correctly, then we would not be allowed to teach anymore. Because think about all the things that get banned from schools, all the perfectly acceptable books that that teachers get contested on. But you don't hear them contesting Midsummer Night's Dream, which has literal bestiality in it. Or Hamlet, which has a whole lot of murder and suicide in it. Every play is nothing but curse words and dirty jokes. But we teach it like, Shakespeare was this great artist. And he wrote these really deep and meaningful pieces. And it is, we, we don't teach the language correctly. I always taught the kids that there were dirty jokes I couldn't teach them and to look for them when they got to high school. <laughs> oh, so you were like, it's like, now there's dirty jokes in this play. I can't teach them to you. So they went over that play with a fine tooth. Oh, oh. yeah. It was occasionally when we'd read a scene, I'd hear, <laughs> and then I'd look over there and go, I got it. I won't share it. I'm like, good. We are not sharing the dirty jokes because we are not old enough for me to get in trouble for that. But it makes it a lot more interesting. Nothing but dirty jokes, nothing but cuss words, nothing but sex and violence. And yes, drugs. But we don't teach that because it's not appropriate. And the thing is, Shakespeare would be horrified to know how we taught his plays. The fact that we teach them in these reverential tones would piss him right the fuck off because he was not this amazing artiste who wrote these deep meaningful pieces he was james franco and seth rogan (laughs) who occasionally made a disaster artist (laughs) this guy was this is the end 
all over the place, just like that one scene in This Is The End. But we're not going to go into that. You're going to have to get that dirty joke on your own, kids. You are. I'm not getting into that. That is too explicit even for this podcast. It's like, yeah, it's, no. But I'll get into all of that another time. That's not the point of today. The point is learning about how he got into his little theater. Shakespeare's plays were performed in several different theaters over his career. Several. Yeah. You look several? surprised. Yeah. So what? how many theaters were you taught there were? We were taught that there was the Globe Theater and it was the premier theater and it was the only theater that we ever learned about. Well, the first theater is that is the star of our story today is called The Theater. Now, it's worth... That's not very original. It's worth noting that I have a master's degree in theater education. I have a bachelor's degree in theater, and I went out of my way to take additional theater history classes because my theater history teacher was the bomb. And, oh God, he was crazy. I loved him. I want to be like him when I grow up. You're already crazy, so you're almost there. He would... When his back would hurt, he would teach the entire class from a lawn chair. And this was not a (laughs) raked classroom. We just couldn't see him unless we were in the first row. And we'd hear him yelling about Doritos while he was teaching about Tantalus. The Doritos are right there and you got the munchies, but you just can't reach them. (laughs) He was the best. So the theater was the first permanent theater built in England. So let that sink in because remember, this is the first permanent theater and it's the one that gets stolen. Spoiler alert. (laughs) This was in Shoreditch, which is part of London's modern Hackney Borough, which is just a little bit north of London proper, if my geography is right. It was built by an actor named James Burbage, who becomes important later. Little known fact about the plague is that the mayor of London banned plays during the plague. Plays have been banned a lot throughout history, guys. Guys, theater history is amazing. If you can take it as a history credit at some point, do it. It is so intrinsically tied to all of human history because theater is human history, but you get to learn it from this one really cool perspective that gets overlooked. Anyway, they banned theaters um, from putting on plays in the city because they were smart and figured that illness spread in crowds. Well, theater people were like, well, fuck you. And they kept going, but they just built the theaters basically across the street from the border. (laughs) Kind of like how Trader Joe's is directly across the street from Kansas. Yep. So this theater was built in 1576 as part of that. Like the globe, this was a theater in the round. It is the shape of a polygon. So get that into your brains, math kids. With a thrust stage. A thrust stage sticks out into the audience and has audience on three sides-ish. Sometimes they're rounded, so it's a little bit different. <laughs> I'm sorry. What's my least favorite word, Austin? Thrust. Yeah. What's my least favorite type of stage? A thrust stage. Yes. They are the worst. With theaters in the round, you can kind of manipulate a little bit better. But with thrust stages, you have to, when you direct, when you block the shows, you have to not just incorporate the idea that audience could be on all three sides, but the fact that audiences, when given the choice, will sit in the center. It's awful. And the sound is terrible. Anyway. There's some evidence that the theater not only had acting spaces, but also had bear baiting pits. Yes! The theater was originally a venue for lice... Okay, I'm not sure how y'all pronounce it in England. I know how to pronounce it in Boston. I'm just going to say Leicester, because that's not how to pronounce it. That sounds like a British way of doing it. We'd pronounce it Leicester. Leicester's men, which included James Burbage's son. James Burbage built the theater. Richard. But much of the company left the Rose Theater because they got into a fight with Richard. Richard had quite the ego, basically. So so that hasn't changed. An actor with an ego? 
1594, Richard Burbage became the primary actor in Lord Chamberlain's Men, which you probably have heard of because that was one of the troops that Shakespeare was in, of which William Shakespeare was a member at this point. In 1596, the guy who owned the land that the theater was on named Giles Allen opted to not renew the company's lease. So they had leased the land that the theater was on in order to put on their plays in the theater. James Burbage had secured a 20-year lease, which ended in 1596, and rumor has it the company partied too much for Alan to want to deal with them anymore. So, actors. Another thing to know about Shakespeare, he was not a dignified person. At all. No. This was not a man who carried himself with what we would consider any amount of, um, I am a respectable person. He was very much kind of a party animal kind of dude. So the story that comes up next is a long and complicated story involving family squabbles that only Romeo and Juliet could dream of. Lawsuits against anyone and everyone, and there was even a first wives club-esque attempt at claiming half of everything in a given space. (laughs) So you remember Goldie Hawn walking in going, mine, mine, mine? Yep. That's what they tried to do here. (laughs) But that's not what the story is about, so I'm not going to get into it beyond that. This battle went on for two years, with Alan beginning to say that he did not have to give up the theater because it was on his land. Now, did Giles Allen build the theater? No. James Burbage built the theater. James Burbage built the theater. And now his son is the primary actor in the theater. So here's the thing. Members of Lord Chamberlain's men. Shakespeare, a guy named Augustine Phillips, Thomas Pope, John Hemminges, Henry Condell, and Richard and Cuthbert Burgess. So their dad built the theater. There are two of them there. Each member of the company owns a portion of the company, including the theater. The Burgesses together owned 25%. Each other member owned slightly less than they did even singularly. And their family had funded the construction. This theater would not exist were it not for the Burbage family. But that didn't matter to Giles Allen. He wanted the land and he was mad at the guys for their party, so he refused to give them their theater back. What is a theater troupe to do? What did they do? Tell me more. Tell me more. Well, if you've ever met theater people, there isn't a damn thing that will stop them from getting what they want. Austin is unfortunately married to a theater person. (sighs) Yeah. Our, our living room is teal because I'm married to a theater person. Our living room is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. The ancient Romans figured out how to recreate sea battles indoors, and these were the theater people. The members of the Federal Theater Project hid dangerous messaging in plays about beavers. I once had to hang lights, and the only way to find out if the lights worked was to stick metal onto an electrified sheet of metal and to find out if I got shocked. If it was shocked, the lights worked. That doesn't seem safe. Another time, I had to improvise Shakespearean language when an actor dropped out a week before the show opened. And I improvised my ass off for two months in the role of King Oberon. That was the last play I was in. Wow, you make it... You you have the dignity of King Oberon. The fact is that theater people make shit happen. If there's something we want, we make it happen. We are used... I'll see which case being an asshole. It's... Draco wants in the bedroom because he got in there by accident a couple of weeks ago, and now he wants in there all the time. Anyway, we make shit happen. So obviously, they're going to fix this. During those two years, the troupe performed at the Curtain Theater. So now we know about the theater and the Curtain, which are two theaters that were rarely to never talked about in classes. And they premiered Romeo and Juliet at the Curtain, not at the Globe. And another fun fact about Shakespeare's plays, they were not held onto. They threw them away. 
these were not meant to last and be performed over and over. When they were done, they got thrown in the trash and they were all handwritten, obviously. And each wow. member of the troupe had to write their own scripts. And often they only wrote down their own sections. So there were no like full copies of the scripts like anywhere. Huh. The versions we have now are not Shakespeare's versions. And I can go into that another time. It's fascinating. <sighs> I didn't know that. It's I get really excited about this. If any of my former students are listening, first of all, you knew I cussed. I just never did it in class. And uh, you, you told me about the few times you did. You'd come home and you'd feel so guilty. It's like, I said, it's like, I said shit in class today. <laughs> the students always thought it was funny. Yeah. One time I remember they're like, Miss Maddie, we always knew. We always knew. We were waiting. And then that was the day when there were just two of them there. And they go, and no one will believe us. <laughs> So no, I didn't cuss in class any more than an average teacher did, but first of all, students, if you're listening to me, hi, sorry about the cussing, or not, if you're fine with it. And second, you remember how excited I got about Shakespeare. So after all of those years, in the two years in the curtain, they wanted their own place. So on December 28th, 1598, Giles Allen was on his country home, having Christmas with his family. So on that night, a group of approximately 12 men, including Carpenter Peter Street, with the assistance of a financial backer named William Smith, these guys entered Allen's land with swords, daggers, axes, and bills, which are like pole arms with hooked blades on the top. And they tore the motherfucking theater down. Yeah! And not only did they tear it down, they carried it away piece by piece. Legend says that they disassembled and reassembled it in one night just off of his land, but that's not true because physics would not allow that to happen. But they did take it to Peter Street's storage area, store the wood in there until it was warm enough to build. They then moved it all over to the Thames to rebuild under Peter Street's guidance. It was stronger, it was better, and it held 3,000 people. That's a big when theater. When it was done. Big-ass theater. Now, as you might guess, Giles Allen wasn't okay with this. He yeah. went after Peter Street for trespass, which is probably accurate because Peter Street actually did not have any part of the theater in this. He's just a carpenter who also built another theater that was really important. He then tried to sue, sue uh, Cuthbert and Richard, Richard Burbis for tra- trespass unto something that they technically owned. <laughs> he lost all of his lawsuits. Good. And the theater was theirs. So they rebuilt this theater in early 1599 and it was called The Globe. <gasps> so they, they stole The Globe. The Globe was originally called the theater, and it was stolen. Yes! Did you ever learn about that in school? No. Would, it, would you have found Shakespeare more interesting if you had? Yeah. Yeah. All we learn about is this beautiful language that he used. And yes, I'm not saying the language isn't beautiful. I'm saying that that is only a small part of what he did and who he was. And if we had learned this stuff, there would have been far fewer glazed over eyes. But what is this dude going to do next? This guy is like... Somewhere between Einstein and Timothy Dexter. Yeah, I mean, that's there's a there's a thin line between asshole and genius. Now, you may wonder if this is true, because this sounds Yeah, this made does up. not sound completely true. A document written in 1601 confirms it. Oh. What it does not confirm is exactly who was present, except for Peter Street. Shakespeare did write this up. It's a legal document. It does not confirm that Shakespeare was pre- present or that he was not present. Now, can you imagine somebody like Shakespeare who wrote things like, oh, Hamlet or Midsummer or Titus Andronicus yeah. wasn't there for this? Shakespeare was 1000% there. 
He was not particularly helpful, I'm guessing, but he was there. And then in 2008, archaeologists also found the foundation of the northeastern corner of the theater while excavating its believed previous location. So they were able to confirm that it was there. So we know that this did happen. Just we know that it it became a stuff of legend, that whole moving it across in one night thing. 99.9% was not possible. Now, as you might know, the Globe Theater that currently stands is actually only 23 years old. Yeah. The rebuilt Globe of 1599 burned down in 1613. You might know that as well. Mm -hmm. Do you know why it burned down? No, I don't. So they're putting on Henry VIII. I think that's the right show. And there's a cannon, and the cannon misfired and lit the thatched roof on fire. Oh. They actually managed to evacuate everybody, and only one person was injured. And it just made me laugh because his pants lit on fire. And then they had to put it out with a bottle of ale. Yep. His injuries weren't even bad. They rebuilt the theater only to have it closed down by Puritans in 1642 because theater is a sin. God damn it, Cromwell. Seriously, guys, theater history is amazing. And then it was dismantled in 1644, 1645 to make room for houses. In the interim, the time where it was between it being burned and rebuilt, they performed at Blackfriars Theater, another theater you never heard about, which was built by Richard Burbage. They performed in a few other places, which I'll get into in a second. But in 1997, the current theater was rebuilt, but in a different place because houses. Using images that remain from its original days. I've actually been there. Ooh. Uh, They still do the seated and groundlings tickets. Now, you know, the seated tickets where the wealthy people sat and the more highly ranked you were, the more close you were to the back, which are actually terrible seats for viewing, but it's great seats for being viewed. Now, the groundlings, you know, I'm sure that they didn't have chairs. Yeah. Did you know that they also were not allowed to sit? No. Even now, you are not allowed to sit as a groundlings. Nowadays, theater Shakespeare plays are three and a half hours if they're done in their entirety, give or take. They were longer back then because these were not sit and silently watch. These were I'm drunk and watching this show plays. They would yell stuff at the stage and sometimes the actors would yell back. These things lasted way longer and they had to stand the whole time. In addition to the theater, the globe, Blackfriars and the curtain, the group performed directly for nobility. Now, when you were in school, were you taught that the back seat right behind the stage was for the queen? Yeah. Yeah, she didn't go. That's not a thing. But Shakespeare in love, she was there. Now, I'm not saying that they never went, because maybe they did. But 99% of the time, at least, theater companies were called to them, which we actually see in Hamlet. When he has the play within a play, they're the royal family. They called the players to them instead of going to the players. Yeah, kind of like when uh, Obama went to see Hamlet. I mean, when Obama, when Obama went to see Hamilton, Hamilton came to Obama. Hashtag yay, Hamlet. Hamilton. So they went directly to the royal court and the houses of the nobility and the inns of the court. And I couldn't quite figure out what that was. So after performing for King James at Hampton Court several times, Lord Chamberlain's men became the king's men. And that is the story of how the Globe Theater got built. It was not just this place that magically appeared for Shakespeare. It was literally stolen by Shakespeare and then added on to to make it bigger. That is just delightful. If memory serves, the first play performed there was Julius Caesar, but I didn't write it down. Ooh, I wonder if there's... there's I love no, Julius There's probably Caesar. no deeper meaning to that. Love Julius Caesar. One of my favorites. Uh, I, I 3D printed her a bust of Julius Caesar that's also a pencil holder. So you're stabbing pencils into his back to store them. The students who got it thought it, thought it was hilarious. So do you have any reactions before I get into questions? Because I saw faces happening. This is just like... 
again, theater is... I was not a theater kid. I was in with the very, very serious and studious orchestra kids. Yeah. And, like, I had no idea theater was actually fun until I was an adult, and you corrupted me. I got him to go to an improv class. He's really good. It's apparently being just from a family of absolute bullshitters i've learned how to do improv pretty well i also once took him to a conference because i got a free like basically ride-along pass for somebody (gasps) and he had never taken a theater class before in his life and it was him and nothing but a bunch of theater education professionals in this room and i gather you had to get up and do improv there too yes i did you had fun though i had a lot of fun i also won you a musical yeah he won me the rights to do a musical and it was great because we had no funding for it and it was really good. I did. I, I just wanted to be credited as an executive producer, and I think I got that. <laughs> he wanted me to do Xanadu, though, and I said no. It's like, uh, if I had known Starlight Express existed, I would have insisted on that. They didn't have, they don't have Starlight Express Jr. for good reason. Oh my, um, uh, Sir Andrew Lord Weber, I know you're listening to us. We're sorry about what we said about cats. It's beautiful. I would like to write Starlight Express Jr., I have no theater experience or musical experience or directing experience or costuming experience. I have no experience in general, but I feel I've got the passion. And you know what? I have the the guts to write Starlight Express. Dramatic hand gesture that you can't hear. Junior. I'm drinking wine because I actually know he's serious. Act one. Scene one. No. Train yard. No, we're done. Are you ready for your questions? <laughs> I was born ready for my questions. Will the fact that the Globe Theater was not Shakespeare's only theater be on the test? No, because that's just confusing. And it shouldn't be, because are there any actors who have only ever worked in one theater? Any playwright whose plays have only ever been in one theater, except for a really bad playwright, I guess? No, but it's like, it's like you, you have like one time in one place. You can't have multiple places. That's just confusing. Yeah, kind of like realizing that Anne Frank and Martin Luther King were born in the same year, and it just blows your mind. Yeah. And was it Barbara Walters was the third one born that year? It was some 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 other like news reportery type person. Will the glo- fact that the globe only existed because of a major heist worthy of Ocean's Eleven be on the test? No, because stealing is bad. But yes, because that's important to know, and it'll make kid, kids interested. This goes back to you gotta have a hook. You wanna bring these kids in and keep their entrance, you gotta have that hook. Will the fact that royalty and high nobility didn't really go to the theater and expected theater to be brought to them be on the test? You know what? That should be on the test, because that's giving people un- unreal expectations of, like, I'm gonna become a famous rapper because this producer is gonna come in and see me perform. It's like, no, that's never gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And will Peter Street who ran all of this and rebuilt the theater himself beyond the test. No, because he was one of the techie people. That's literally what I wrote down. That technicians get no respect, so he won't be on the test. Oh, I know you. It's like He's had to hear me rant about the fact that, like, schools, when they post cast lists, don't post crew lists publicly, too, even though they're just as important. And yeah. the pay differences and all that. He's heard me rant about it too many times. Yeah. I wouldn't say too many times. I'd say just enough many times. But I have to stop now. I've, yeah. reached, I've reached the just enough. You've reached the just enough. I'm tapping out. Next time you complain about tech, I'm going to hold up the card that you have just given me. Thank you. It'll say, oi, enough with the techie already. <laughs> oi, with the poodles already. Oh, Gilmore Girls. So I'm going to talk about something we did learn about, but not super well. Uh, I'm going to talk about Greek philosophers. 
Is that because The Good Place ended and we're really, really sad? No, I started researching this before The Good Place ended. Now I'm even sadder. Yeah, we thought we we had time. We didn't know it was ending in January. We thought we had more time. Just like, okay, I'm not going to actually go into this because there's spoilers and this just happened. And I'm a good person. Yeah, we are not Entertainment Weekly putting spoilers on our main page. Watch The Good Place. Or having Game of Thrones spoilers on the goddamn cover the day after it came out. That's what I'm talking about, man. So, yeah, um, but if you're a fan of The Good Place, make sure you ha- watch it at a time where you can sit back and decompress and clear your tears afterwards. And I cried. I, like, full-on ugly cried. So I'm talking about Greek philosophers. I love Partially Chidi. because Chidi talked about him a lot and he loved him. Chidi was my favorite on the show. Austin's favorite was Tahani. Yes. I loved Chidi. I, oh, my God. I Which lo- makes sense, though, because who am I? You're Eleanor. Yep. And who am I? Jason. Damn Skippy. <laughs> Actually, no, I thought I was, I always thought I was Michael. We never decided who you were. I'm pretty sure I'm Michael. But you know who we all really want to be and cannot be? Janet. Janet. You could be Disco Janet. Yeah. I mean, you want me to do Xanadu. Oh my God, I could be Disco Janet. Or in reality, I'm probably Bad Janet. I'm, I'm as gassy as Bad Janet. At least you're not neutral, Janet. Correct. Austin, begin state report on Greek philosophers. I did start doing this partly because of The Good Place. And also partly because they're kind of interesting. And believe it or not, philosophy and ethics are important and we should be learning them. But Absolutely. We, but we don't because uh, everybody's parents has made the joke, oh, you're a philosophy major. I bet you're a great barista. Yeah. You know what philosophy majors go on to do? Business. Lawyers. Yeah. It's important because they learn rhetoric from the very beginning mm-hmm. of rhetoric. And it's important. Because America is currently being destroyed by bad rhetoric. I was actually talking to somebody about this today. I recently went through a massive job search and career change. And they all expected me to have a bachelor's degree at a minimum. But when I went in there, they were much more interested in the online classes I had taken. They didn't care what my major was in. They cared about these free LinkedIn learning or Coursera Udemy classes I had taken. Because they were more recent and more in- and more relevant they don't care what major you... I could have been a philosophy major and they wouldn't have cared. So anyway, I'm going to start off because all I remember from school about them until I got into like... I took an actual like ethics class, which, oh my God, it was taught by this guy who was clearly meant for business people. It was all... This entire class of ethics was just justifying being unethical to yourself was all I got from this class. It was a bad class. So all I learned in like like elementary school and high school was that uh the greek philosophers invented democracy and then nothing happened until america came along and perfected it but you know they uh greek philosophers had a lot of other ideas some were brilliant and some were less brilliant what yeah so guess what i'm gonna talk about everyone we learned about was universally brilliant all the time austin or they were the bad guy no in between you know that's yeah that's true let's go talk about socrates he's the granddaddy of ethics uh he was the teacher of alexander the great he uh was considered the founder of western philosophy and western thought and if it wasn't for socrates you would not be thinking right now people in the western that's world true uh also uh, he hated he kind of hated democracy kind of like martin luther never admitted to actually believing in what he'd written down yeah so um basically he thought like letting the letting the line letting like idiots like you're letting idiots run the ship and that can't be a good idea and he was also kind of right because he was to dem- um, it was d- democratically decided that he should be put to death. 
So he might not have been wrong about the whole democracy thing, at least for him. It was not his own self-interest. Whoa, that's what juries are. It's democratically deciding whether or not you get to die. Yeah. So he's he, he is kind of pretty famous for the Socratic method. Which we still use in school Which we still today, use in day. Although I have a feeling it's highly modified from what he had. Oh yeah, it's basically the use of questions to break down an idea and by finding a hypothesis by eliminating contradictions. So it's basically you're forming a negative hypothesis. You can only have a hypothesis if you're not married to me. Because yes. you have to eliminate contradictions. Yes. And it's, <laughs> it, it is like just all of these things. And you just get down until you either have the right idea or actually more accurately. And what we found is you just have something that cannot be proven false instead of the right thing. Huh. Yeah. Which is part of the problem with Socratic method. It is what our justice system is based on currently. Although we do have that little reasonable doubt thing thrown in there. The problem is with the way we handle juries, people just want to go home after a while and so yeah. they'll, they might just break. I would be a terrible juror because I don't think I'd ever be able to get somebody convicted, especially if they were a teenager or younger. I feel like I would be an excellent juror, but I'm fairly certain I would let someone die just so I could go home. See, for me, it's a matter of, well... How did we fail this person as society? And if we aren't going to be rehabilitating them, then what's the point of sending them into this system in the first place? Yeah, I'm actually, in retrospect, I'd be a horrible juror. So uh, also, Socrates was a real bad husband. We don't learn this. This is a, a quote of his. By all means, Mary, if you get a good wife, you will be happy. If you get a bad one, you will be a philosopher. <laughs> and then Shakespeare took that information and used it in his own marriage. <coughs> <coughs> And his wife, uh, Xanthippe, also... Um, <coughs> oh, like from Kimmy Schmidt! Like from Kimmy Schmidt! Was portrayed as a shrew and a pain in the ass. Like, universally. So, not only did Socrates invent Western thought, he also invented the modern sitcom. Uh, he was also a pedantic asshole who would turn all small talk into philosoph- philosophical discussion. Sorry. So, for example, start small talk with me. I'll be Socrates. I'm an introvert. I don't do small talk. Oh, so you think that talk can be small. Well, I think ideas are great. I think other things can be small, and that's why you have something to prove right now. Oh, damn. <laughs> so um, so Sarah just demonstrated the Diogenes method of arguing. We'll get into that. See, and I can't even cut that one out, and you just shared my other name. Oh, fuck. I'm like... You know, I'm like a jellical cat over here. I've got series of names and there's one that's my true name. But are you big and are you small? Yes. I have an alarmingly small head and alarmingly big feet. Yeah. And a butt that doesn't quit. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I just bought some headbands that people were complaining were too small for their normal size head. And I'm like, yep, buying those. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was also, I, I, I love this, uh, unemployed on principle because how can I really be you know, an advocate for thought if I am getting paid for this. It has to be pure. See, that's the nonsense that they use towards artists all the time. Well, if you really cared about the art, you wouldn't expect to get paid mm-hmm. for it. Fuck you, Socrates. This is all your fault. But he would go out drinking with the boys at a uh, No Women Allowed symposiums all the time. Symposia. Symposia. <laughs> oh, so- oh, I'm sorry. I was an English teacher. <laughs> Whatever. And he uh, also, he married his wife, not because he loved her, but because she was argumentative and she would basically be a sparring partner, constantly co- questioning his beliefs. Why are you looking at me like that? Says the guy who just gave me a sideways glance and put his hand on my shoulder. <laughs> Austin has known me since we were 17, and I feel like 9 out of 10 conversations we had were me arguing about something. 
it's it's gone down to only seven out of ten since we got married. But I can say that we genuinely rarely fight. But when we do, um, she bites a lot. She shot me once. I am a good shot. Yes. So, again, this was literally a bad sitcom. Socrates, also inventor of the sitcom. Damn it, Socrates. 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 Uh, also, another fact. Now, this it's important to mention that this was common in Greece and not socially unacceptable. Lots of things were common in Greece that we don't learn about in school. Um, it's actually something I want to talk about sometime. Yeah. Um, uh, according to Plato, uh, Socrates had a boyfriend, a hot, young, military officer boyfriend. 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, here, here, here's a note. Here's another quote from Plato. Both of us have two loves apiece. I love Aclabates, the son of Selenius, and of philosophy. But not his wife. But not his wife. I kind of dig that. He loved his boyfriend in philosophy. We should actually talk about that at some point, the actual like legal system that went into great ancient Greek and sexuality. It was, mm-hmm. It's actually really interesting. It is interesting. He also had- Theater history, guys. He had a wife, and, a wife and several kids. And, so did Shakespeare. Doesn't yep. mean it was a good thing. So eventually, um, he was executed for le- by, by, uh, for leading the youths away from the, from the gods. Well, I mean, the gods were staring at them creepily and offering candy, so... Yep. So that was, that was Socrates. Now, this is an important thing to know about Socrates. Much like Jesus, Socrates was bearded and didn't write anything down. So everything we learned about him, we learned from his disciples. Kind of like, oh my god, that's Shakespeare too. He was bearded... Yeah. And yeah, he wrote stuff down, but it's gone. Everything we have was from his disciples. Yeah. So everything we know about Socrates and what he wrote is kind of viewed through the lens of mostly Plato. And we're going to talk about Plato because the more I learn about Plato, the more I realize he was a ge- he was a genius. He did do a lot of stuff, but he was wrong. He was wrong about lots of stuff. He was bad at logic. His art, his... Everything he said was just so wordy and complicated. It's near indecipherable, even today. So he's Tolkien. Yeah. And just, and just, he just couldn't, like, just bad logic, bad arguments. Everything was too long. So um, he was a student of Socrates. He wrote it down. He has a big influence on what we know about Socrates. And the big thing about him was he loved defining terms. <laughs> Me too. Yep. Uh, he believed that everything had some ideal form out in the ether and that, that everything could aspire to be. Like somewhere out there, there was the perfect tree or the perfect cookie or the perfect sandwich or the perfect butt. And everything was just a pale imitation of that. Kind and, of like how we all strive to be Tom Hanks. Yeah. But none of us can be Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Tom Hanks is the ideal man. We mm-hmm. know this. And so he like, and he wouldn't even start like arguing about things until he had figured out what the ideal form of something was. Like, for example, what is the ideal form of justice? The ideal form of justice... Is indefinable. I know it involves rehabilitation and not punitive measures unless otherwise necessary. Mm-hmm. It's, again, it's impossible to find justice for all cases to the point where he would like to argue about it. And it's like, it, it's just, you cannot ever, you can never find a perfect definition of something. And he wouldn't even argue about something unless he thought he had a perfect definition. You can never find a perfect definition of anything? I mean, you can, like, simple things, but not, like, complex things. Because, like, I had some no-bake cookies this week, and I'm pretty sure that they were the perfect definition of no-bake cookies. Okay, those might have... Cool. But are we ever going to be in a philosophical discussion about no-bake cookies? 
What if you have a peanut allergy? Were those the perfect no-bake cookies? You having an allergy does not detract from the perfection of the cookies. You just can't experience the cookies. We cannot. There is no such but, thing as a peanut-free no-bake cookie. But do you think that the perfect peanut butter cookie would, in, the perfect no-bake cookie would not kill people who ate it? Well, I mean, honestly, at that point, it's thinning the herd because it's pretty obvious that there's peanut butter in it. See, this is the problem with Socrates and Plato. This is you, why- <laughs> you specifically are the problem. So Austin has been putting up with this for half a lifetime. And it's broken is, me. The thing is, it broke me. He knows. I'm he, just gonna go eat a big thing of chili and start singing about it. He knows that he can't beat me in an argument. No, it's because you argue weird. <laughs> well, it's like I had to take a test to get into gifted when I was in first grade, and I remember it was one of those spatial reasoning ones, and it was like, where is the flower gonna show up next on this 3D object? And I remember being really mad about the question because I'm like, you can't prove to me that the object won't change its patterns and have the flower in a different location than expected. So let's move on. <laughs> I had a similar question that I answered, and I think it's what got me into gifted. It was, is it easier to run on sand, grass, or cement? And I said, you start by training on sand. It's like, <laughs> has the cement dried yet? Yeah, that was the kind of shit I was doing. Yeah. So let's... I let's, was obnoxious. Let's look at um, what Plato said. Just one example, him talking about the soul, which again, you cannot disprove the soul you cannot definitively prove that there is impossible to be a soul or really anything about you can't disprove stuff about the soul so he spent 90 pages with weird analogies about cities and the soul to explain what boils down to this if you act selfishly it hurts your soul and makes you sad okay and selfish people that are happy are just secretly sad selfish people that are happy are just secretly sad yep I think that's actually probably true unless we, as long as we throw out the psychopaths and sociopaths. Jeff Bezos is one happy motherfucker. And he is a greedy, greedy dragon sitting upon a pile of gold. Yeah, but it doesn't mean I can afford things that aren't from Amazon. Yeah. So, and of course, if you try to argue at any point- Give us the... money and we'll stop supporting Jeff Bezos. Yeah. If you And then if you do try to argue with him, he simply would hide behind Socrates saying, well, you know, Socrates said it. In my head, he is physically hiding behind Socrates. You can't see me. He's only you can't see me. Only mentally hiding behind Socrates. This is all theater of the mind. That's the like philosophical equivalent of not touching. You can't get mad. Yep, that's exactly what's going on. Thank you for not touching me because I cannot get mad. So, and of course, the Socratic dialogues, which is what Plato wrote down, are just straw men arguments that can be boiled down thusly: Socrates says a thing, Plato pretending to be someone else, presents an opposing idea. Socrates speaks again to disagree with you. Enthusiastic agreement from everybody involved. That is the formula of everything Plato wrote down. Are you going to talk about the allegory of the cave? Because it's the only thing I remember about him, and I do not remember the allegory at all. I don't remember the allegory of the cave either. He tried to convince me yesterday that that's the point of the allegory, is that you forget it. And then yep. he asked me if I've ever been in a cave, and if I remembered it. The problem was I do remember being in a cave, and I remember exactly how it smelled. <laughs> So he wasn't able to continue his argument because yeah. I win every argument. So like Plato's arguments are straw man and they all kind of have a really like a yeah, that happened thing. Because this is like half remembered arguments with Socrates that were overly simplified and just kind of stupid and pointless. And I feel like Pliny would have things to say to these people. Predate and predates the predates the paragraph. So it's just people agreeing with him was like the start of a paragraph or the end of a paragraph. That's how they did it. And then everybody clapped. Yep. But luckily, there was a madman in a barrel. 
Okay. We're going to talk about Diogenes now, which I'm sure like Chidi mentioned Diogenes, but Chidi did not go into Diogenes. There's a good reason for that. And we're going to get into it because you cannot talk about Diogenes on television. Like not even HBO. A few minutes ago, didn't you say I argue like Diogenes? You do. Should I be worried? You should be very worried. So uh, Diogenes was the founder of the Cynics. The Cynics? The Cynics. Like C-Y-N-I-C-S? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which um, they got their name from the Greek word uh, kion or kainkos for dog because they wouldn't have the simplicity of a dog. It's like very... To boil it down, like the modern version of it would be like people who take like the minimalist or Marie Kondo stuff way too fucking far and (laughs) live in a tiny house with a single bowl, a single glass, and a mat. Which is weird because I've got eight kids. Yep. So weird. And one of them's named Matt. That's the only Matt they have. And the other's named Dish and Bowl. The others don't even have names because that's too complicated. Their names are Tiny and House. Yep. They just live in a pile of children. <laughs> Gross. Ew. It smells the, so bad. It the dead baby jokes that are really popular when we were kids. Oh, God. Diogenes would have thought those were funny because he was also kind of an asshole. He uh, lived in the street in a barrel. I'm on board with this guy. Um, he would pee and poop in public because it was natural. And anything you do in private should also be okay to do in public. I'm less on board with this guy. Um, he was also reportedly a furious public masturbator. Yeah, unless you've got Swiss cheese involved. Yep. <clears throat> my oh, true crime fans man. will understand. My other people will think that I'm disgusting. Yep. And he's not, not even putting his dick like in the hole of the Swiss cheese. It was just resting over it like a towel. Okay. Going on, um, he would walk around, famously, he'd walk around with a lantern in broad daylight, shining it into people's faces, and claiming that he was looking for an honest man, or by some translations, a human being. Okay, I'm back on board a little bit. Yep. Uh, he lived on a diet of onions. Okay. Uh, he threw away his cup after he saw a child drinking water cupped in his hands, saying, Oh my god, I have this completely unnecessary thing in my life, I must get rid of it. He could have just given it to the kid. But... Then the kid would have forgotten about the simplicity of being and been out, been less true to the moment. Did he shine his lantern, lantern in that kid's face and see if he was a human being? Maybe. Hmm. He could have. No one stopped him. He blinded so many children. <laughs> Me too. He was obscene. He was rude. He broke taboos and viewed customs as a sort of a lie you tell yourself. Okay. So, um... Uh, naturally, he was around the same time as Plato. You could tell that they got along. Another famous moment of Diogenes' life was when Plato uh, said Socrates defined a man because bitch loved his definitions <laughs> as a featherless biped. It's not wrong. Yep. So then Diogenes threw a plucked chicken at him and yelled, Behold, I've brought you a man! Okay, I would 10 out of 10 do that. Yeah, this is why you argue like him. It's like, okay, this is what it is. Well, what about this? It's like, oh, god damn it! fine. <laughs> and I'm worse when I'm on Ambien. So much worse. But if it wasn't for that, I would still think capybaras had hooves. Yep. Then um, Plato said, then included, with broad, flat nails in his definition of a man. With broad, flat nails? Instead of, like, chicken claws. Huh. Yep. I'm trying to think of a way around this one. Yeah. Also, um, at this point, I said, can you imagine, like, you know, like tidying up with Marie Kondo? But tidying up with Diogenes. <laughs> There'd be so many chickens. So many chickens, so much pooping in public, and like, why do you have so many cups? You don't need any of these cups. 
What about bats? Do bats have claws or are they more flat? Huh. It's true. They're not bi- are they bi- are bats bipeds? They have two legs. But they also when they walk they use their hands with their which are kind of their wings. But if a human does not walk or if a human crawls, does it make it not a biped? Whoa. <laughs> See, this is why you can't get into arguments with them. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Diogenes fam- also famously met with Alexander the Great, who was at this point in time conquering the known world. And because Socrates had been his teacher, he liked philosophers. And he heard about this crazy guy living in a barrel, shouting at Plato. He's like, I got to see this shit. So Alexander and his retinue go up to Diogenes and Diogenes says, get the fuck out of my sunlight. (laughs) Oh my God, that is the best way to throw shade. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud of that one. You should be proud of that one. Fortunately, I can always drink three rep check while we record. You, this has been a lot more fun than some of our other ones. Mostly because there hasn't been a genocide in this one. I mean, I didn't go into all of Shakespeare's plays, so. Uh, I, I, it's my fault for bringing up genocide in a history podcast. Small, that's my bad. Mia culpa. <laughs> so, there needs to um, be a punishment, like a, like, um, like a douchebag jar, yeah. except for genocide. The genocide jar? That's The jaricide? Yes! <laughs> So, instead of having him killed on the spot, like, you know, say, current orange wannabe dictators would do, um, he laughed it off and said, oh, you, and left. (laughs) So, at some point, Diogenes had to leave Athens in a hurry, probably for all the furious masturbating in public, and um, was kidnapped by pirates. They thought he was witty, so they didn't kill him, and they sold him as a slave, and his master thought he was witty, and decided... You can absolutely teach my children. Good night, Wesley. Good work. Sleep well. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. <laughs> it's like, good night, Diogenes. You just you just keep doing your thing, man. And uh, don't worry, uh, Diogenes, um, he upgraded a lot once he stopped living in a barrel at this point and started living in a wine jar. How does that work? There was a big-ass wine jar. How small was he? I mean, he was, he was a, like, everyone was short in the past. I don't know. But yeah, they were big-ass wine jars. Have you not seen, like, the amphoras? No, the only old jar I've seen was the witch jar that was protecting us against Donald Trump until it was removed in 2016. These are like jars roughly the size of a mini fridge. So I guess his legs were sticking out of it. It wasn't <laughs> a comfortable it, situation. upside down? Yeah. I'm so, imagining it's like that Brecht play where they're just on top of their own tombs. So um, Diogenes did die. No. Yeah, he's not still around. <laughs> are you sure? Because I'm right here. <laughs> he might have reincarnated. Although I don't do any of those things in public that you should not do in public. Yeah, don't pee, poop, or masturbate in public. That's disgusting. All of those things are disgusting. He did die. Um, We don't know exactly how. He was either bitten by a dog, um, he ate some raw octopus, or he just held his breath until he died. See, Pliny could have saved him from all three of these fates. All of those fates. So, um, here's another thing that that makes makes you remind me of Diogenes. Um... He didn't want a funeral. He wanted to be thrown to wild beasts and torn apart. Oh my god! Instead of having a funeral. His friends didn't listen, and they buried him, and they put a statue, a pillar with a statue of a dog on top of it as his grave. See, from the beginning, I have told Austin that when I die, my body is to be taken out to sea and thrown into the water where I will be eaten by sharks. And I don't think he thinks I'm serious. You'll be dead, so I just agree with it. And then when the time comes, it's like, nope. I mean, I'm an organ donor, so my good parts are gone anyway. That's true. You'll be bringing me and my, like, dismantled 
eyeless corpse out into the sea so that the ocean can just take what's left. I'm going to get so many kinds of arrested. (laughs) Okay, it is international waters. There are no laws. Just look at what happens on cruise ships. Oh my god, I can weaken it Bernie's you onto a cruise and throw you over the edge. Uh, 100% that is the most legal way to do this. Okay, so I think we need to do something about maritime laws our next episode. Because <laughs> this has been fucked up. So, let me just summarize this shit about Greek philosophy. Uh, Socrates is an important guy, but we only know about him because Plato wrote stuff down. And Plato was kind of a dick. And he should be more of a history guy, not a philosophy guy. And Diogenes was more akin to some modern thinking, but oh my god, he has an absolute, like, Dead Poet Society vibe going on about him. I hate Dead Poet Society. Well, you know, he... It's just trying too hard, the musical. Diogenes was kind of that, but he just pooped in public so it was less creepy somehow. I mean, isn't that basically Robin Williams' character? Oh, let's do this crazy thing and that means we're learning. Yeah, that was it. It's like... Let's throw away tradition. We can learn more without it. I'm trying so hard to make this movie deep. It's why I started laughing during a couple of movie previews this year, like Ferrari versus Ford. I was like, look at this movie trying to win an Oscar. Yeah. So that is my summary of Greek philosophy. And that's only like the tip of the iceberg of it. Seriously. Yeah. Diogenes. Like, this is boring. Then I started on Diogenes. It's like, oh, fuck yes, I can do this. (laughs) And who was the one that Chidi runs into on Good Place? I don't think that's a spoiler. Uh, oh, gosh, it was. I mean, he runs into several because it is the Good Place, but. It was, I remember she was a she was a woman. She was Phoebe Buffay. She, Phoebe Buffay. And. You know who we didn't see in the Good Place? Who? Ross Geller. No, Ross Geller would not be in there the Good Place. There is no way. Like, they'd like him even under their new system and be like, nope, fuck you. And leave him in the bad place. It's like, you got a secret extra Hippolyta? bad place. Oh. Not Hippolyta, because that's a that's a character. I think, but. Yeah, I don't I don't remember it, but I I do remember I read her name reading about these, and um she was a heathen who got killed by the Christians. But this was like hundreds of years later. Yeah, that happens to a lot of them. Yep. So are you ready for some questions? Yeah. Okay. Will the fact that Plato was one of Socrates' students be on the test? Yeah. All right. Will the fact the Socratic method and therefore large parts of our justice system are based on Plato's straw man arguments with his deceased teacher? Be on the test? It won't be worded like that, but yes. Yep. Would the fact that Diogenes and Pliny would probably have been BFFs be on the test? <laughs> no, because neither one of them will be allowed on the test. I just like, I love, like, I feel like they would have had such interesting discussions. And, in like, their respective bathtubs, I feel In like. their respective bathtubs. And they're completely different ways of going about things. But I think it would have been like, oh, you, it's like, oh my god, you have a diet of onions? That is great. Because I've had a backache and I need your pee. Oh, cool, you're peeing right now. Let me get in on this. <laughs> oh my god, we need to... Okay, so you know how there's a um, a Houdini and Doyle sitcom that happened for a while? We need Pliny and Diogenes. Oh god, that can't be a sitcom. That's... I mean, we'd have to, like, tone it down or we could just put it on HBO. I don't think even HBO will touch this one. Um, Game of Thrones. Okay, Game of Thrones is over. They need something. They're going to swing at anything. Diog- Now's our time. Pliny, Pliny and Diogenes. Yep. Okay. Hashtag Pliny and Diogenes. Right. Make it happen. Who would play Diogenes? I'm going with Jason Menzukis. How old is Diogenes in this version of things? I didn't get a really good idea from what I read. I could see Jason Menzukis. Um, I'm thinking like somebody... Paul Giamatti would definitely be Plato. Is Plato in this? Yeah. 
Diogenes would totally argue with Plato because he threw a chicken at him. All right, so I feel like Pliny the Elder. I don't know why, but I feel like that's Jason Siegel. Yes, that's. I would go with that. All right, so I got a couple more questions, and this, this is some important ones. Will by Plato's philosophy, the fact that the perfect sandwich exists somewhere out there, and we have yet to discover it, be on the test? As in, we personally have yet to discover it because I believe it has been discovered. I don't think the perfect sandwich has been discovered. I believe it is. At, it is at some back hidden deli in New York City. It's there. Uh, we personally just have not discovered it. Yeah. I, definitely, the perfect sandwich is a Reuben of some kind, but I don't know what Reuben. What is the perfect ratio of sauerkraut to mustard? We, don't, we may never know. Somebody in New York City knows. Yep. And finally, will the fact that for a brief moment, chickens were people be on the test? For a brief moment? Have you met people? Were chickens people? Chickens are people and vice versa. What? <laughs> I mean, I watched Mad... Was it Mad TV or was it Kids in the Hall that had the chicken lady? Either way, it's just... I thought it was Animaniacs who had the chicken guy. No, Chicken Lady. It was... And that's... Okay, remember the first season of American Idol? The guy who got second place? Justin Guarini. I have yet to watch Justin Guarini is proof that the chicken lady is a real thing because he looks exactly like her. So, chickens are people and people are chickens. So, I didn't watch... Okay, not only did you get me interested in theater... But I've only watched reality TV because of her, and... He re- he makes requests now. Oh, some of it's so bad. Yeah, but it makes you feel, feel really like good Ameri- about your own life. No! It makes me feel so bad about humanity and the world, and it makes me just want to go live in a wine barrel and start pooping on the street. I feel like there are places where you can do that. Las Vegas! No, they're very clean. You've never been to Vegas. New Jersey? Everything's legal in New Jersey. Everything is legal in New Jersey. Thank you, Mr. Lyndon Miranda. You are a the other. Gem. The other. Okay. Who is the perfect man? Tom Hanks or Lyndon Miranda? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> or is it just Mr. Rogers and we need to stop the argument? You, I don't know. I, I just cannot know anymore. I'm incapable of knowing. What do you want, Draco? Anyway, so what's something you learned about Shakespeare and stealing the theater and the globe and whatnot today? That it really was the techies that did everything, including stealing a theater, and those actors should be lucky to have them. Yeah, they were the technicians themselves. They did all of this because the two cannot be separated. Yep. You need to have both. You need to have both. I learned all about Diogenes. I'd never heard of Diogenes. They even mentioned him on The Good Place. I'm sure they mentioned him, but that's a mention. That's they not mentioned the same thing. They, they, they acknowledged his existence, but he was not on The Good Place. I bet he got into The Good Place in the end, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. God, The Good Place was so good. Yeah, please watch it if you haven't. Um, It's Mm -hmm. worth it. It's really good. And they do a much better job of explaining philosophy than I did. Yeah, I actually understood stuff. Although, I'm sitting here and I'm watching it, and all I could think was, reincarnation makes a lot of sense. Like, you come to Earth, you fuck up for 70 years, you go on, you learn about how you fucked up, you get to take a break, then you go back and you try again until you get it right. Then you stop existing. So this because is, that is the goal. So this is Tom Hanks and Linda Miranda's last existences. We can we can agree on this, yes? Oh, now I'm really sad. No, because they've gotten it right. They've clearly gotten it right. I'm still really sad. But no, that means they get to be a part of the greater universe after this, and they become part of everything. And we can both agree this is Donald Trump's first go-round. Oh, yeah. Um, he was, I'm going to say, bedbug before this. Ugh. 
But he was a great bed bug. See, I don't, I don't believe in the whole interspecies thing. I think animals just get to move on. Like they get to go and live in their nirvana. I mean, maybe that's the last stage. Maybe maybe Tom Hanks and Lil Miranda get to come back as spoiled pets after this. So, uh, okay. Speaking of one of my favorite afterlife theories from fiction is from a Terry Pratchett book in which there are these little blue pixie men called the Knack McFeagle who uh, believe that they are in fact in the afterlife right now because they get to spend all of their time drinking and fighting and stealing. And when they die from this, they go back to the real world and are away from this paradise. I get that. They're also very Scottish. Me too. Yeah. Hence the paleness and the black hair. Yeah. I'm also very pale, but I'm blonde. You just went to Arizona, man. It's true. I have like, I've got like three um, entire molecules of melatonin in my body now. Melanin. Melatonin is what makes you go to sleep. I've got three of those too. (laughs) Now we looked at my hands earlier and they're legitimately white. Like you could hold them up against paper and go, yep, that's white. I'm doing it right now. I mean, they're a little Holy red because shit. they've been squeezed, but... Yeah. So, today was an exciting episode. It was a very like, exciting episode. There was nothing super serious that happened for once. And, and more important, <clears throat> um, much like that one episode of Doctor Who, there wasn't a genocide in this one. Just this once, nobody dies. Except for Diogenes. Well, and Shakespeare's dead, too. And I guess Plato's dead. Everybody in our stories are dead. Everyone in our stories are dead. Well, that's a bummer now. And I did t- specifically talk about how two people died in mine. God damn it. History is the worst because everybody's dead. Everybody's dead. Unless we're doing very recent history. In which case, still most of them are dead. Yeah. Radium girls. <sighs> them dead. They dead. And on that happy note, where can people find us? Well, they can find us at on Twitter at OnTheTestPod, on Instagram at OnTheTestPod, on Facebook at OnTheTestPod, and at OnTheTestPod.com. Yes, we do have an email at email address but social media is the easiest way to get hold of us because i don't check that every day i mostly use it to try to you know get discounts on things that i've already used my email address for yeah it's like it's like yeah we're gonna get another season of cbs go using this email account oh i actually canceled my account today and they were like please don't leave and gave me a month nice so i can watch more picard more picard and i can watch the finale of evil oh my god so um picard is so good yeah see the thing is cbs we wouldn't hate you so much if you didn't somehow get your own shows removed. Like, I would like to go and watch the last season of Big Bang Theory, but you don't have the rights to your own show. How? I don't know. CBS, like, oh, God. It's like, we're going to abuse these these free trials to watch all of the card. I know that for a fact. Well, you got a month with this one, and then we got a couple more email addresses to go. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> we've got that. And, you know, please, if you, like, if we got something wrong... Let us know. We'll correct ourselves. We or love, we won't. Or we won't. Because we are we are just mysterious that way. You don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. Or if there's something you'd like to see, give us some suggestions. I know we've got a suggestion recently that we're working on. So Yeah, we are open to suggestions because we are not rich enough to give it to a certain level yet. Yep. We don't even have a Patreon at this point. Yes. And if we even we did have a Patreon, I don't think we would. <laughs> Although we did just subscribe to HelloFresh. So if you want to tell HelloFresh to, to sponsor us, that'd be great. Or, like, we need a new mattress, Casper, yo. We do need a new mattress. We were actually just talking about how we need a bigger bed because neither one of us likes to be near somebody else when you sleep. But we also don't want to be that couple that has separate bedrooms that are at only 33 and 34. Yep. It's like, we're going to last until at least 40 before we realize that we're too tired of each other. Yes, and then we're going to just start fighting like Xanthope and Socrates. I'll be Xanthope. Like Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway. Although it's a lot harder to fight when you live hours apart for your entire marriage. Wait, Anne Hathaway? Like, his wife was Anne Catwoman? 
His wife was named Anne Hathaway. But Anne Hathaway's parents knew this when they named her. Anne Hathaway's mother was like the modern Anne Hathaway's mother was an opera singer. Is Anne is Anne Hathaway a time traveler? She says no. But isn't that what a time traveler would we say? We need to watch. You need to watch the um, the Google autocomplete interviews that she did because she talks a little bit about this actually. <laughs> oh, Anne Hathaway. Both Anne Hathaways. The the OG Anne Hathaway had a rough go of it, but I might talk about that another time. However, if you find yourself in the England area and they haven't Brexited their way off of the earth yet. Oh, actually, um, as we're recording this, Brexit literally happened while we were recording. So Again, if they haven't Brexited their way off of the earth, Anne Hathaway's house is still standing in Stratford-upon-Avon, which you probably heard about in class and never really thought mm-hmm. that's really far away from London. So you never really thought... How is he, his wife in Stratford and he's in London and they're still married? It's because they were hours apart. They were hours apart. He ditched her. I'll talk about that another time. That son of a bitch. They had three kids at one point. How? They were miles apart. Was it like a Diogenes situation with just like extreme pressure? Well, let's just say you'd have to be generous with your math based on their wedding date. Oh. And generous with your uh, biology based on their relation to each other. Oh my. Hashtag Deep South. <gasps> we know none of y'all are listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, we've, we've made fun of Trump how many times this episode? Yeah, you'd be and gone. And made fun of Brexit. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm <laughs> gonna to say fairness, our deep... In fairness, there are perfectly lovely people in the Deep South who have made wise decisions and are there because that's where they live. That's okay. Yep. You are cool. If you are out there going those like, well, I don't want them trannies in my Target bathroom, you're not listening anyway. Yeah. And plus, I mean, the people I know who say that don't have access to the internet and probably, <laughs> couldn't use an, and probably could not use an iPhone to rate and review us anyway. Yeah. You're not welcome here if you're one of those people. But if you are not one of those people and you've enjoyed what you've heard today or any other time, go onto iTunes or any other space that lets you review. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. We said we would do some kind of weird movie review if we got 100. We yeah. are still at two. So give us some more. And also, more importantly, tell a friend. Yep. Hey, I'd even say, like, I've got Vampire's Kiss right now. We'll do a special Nicolas Cage movie review if we get to 10. Or Velocipaster. <gasps> Velocipaster. We love really bad horror movies, although I think we promised them we'd do it on a historical movie that, and I look at it for accuracy. Uh, vol- dinosaurs are historical. Like the Harriet Tubman movie, we were, I was watching the preview and kind of going, I feel like this isn't right. Didn't and like Janelle Monet have a gun in that? Or am I... I don't am know. Am I getting my movies conflated again? Janelle Monet just has a gun at all times. It's not on her person, but she can summon it. <gasps> you know, it's, it's, as, as a warlock, that is her packed weapon. Janelle Monet actually attended a school I taught at. Ooh. Not at the same time, obviously, because we're close to the same age as her yeah and as far as i know i was not teaching her as a 30 year old nor was i teaching as a 13 year old it's like it's like they had a very generous student teacher program but all i can think is they they, you know they had this little display in the library that was like janelle monet attended this school and i'm like i wonder if they left that up after her album with the whole vagina theme song happening and her um her very like I am proud to be bisexual moment in Rolling Stone. Yeah, I kind of wonder if they left that up. They, I hope they did because especially students of color need to be told it's okay. And, okay, Janelle Monet. She's is, a treasure. She's awesome. Like just her entire philosophy, her music, like the fact that she had like the most just absolute just prince level of energy in 
her in her songs and just like captured it perfectly but still had it be her own thing was just phenomenal and i love it and unlike beyonce she's actually a good actor oh damn she is actually a good actor i mean if you've seen beyonce and things you no matter how much you love beyonce you cannot tell me she was good in austin powers and that's for austin powers oh yeah i remember she got upstaged by mini me he's dead now Another dead one. What's wrong Everybody's, with us? It's a, Everybody. it's a history podcast. We should just start listing dead people if not enough people died in our stories. You know, that might, if we run out of ideas, we might just start listing people that have died. <laughs> we'll get the obituaries out and just start reading them. Oh my God, we've turned into our grandparents. <laughs> okay, I love obituaries. Okay, Austin, I need you to promise me something right now. Okay. When I die, you have to put in there what happened to me. Even if it's really boring. Because there's always someone like me who reads it and goes, what happened? Give that person something. Tell them the truth, but put it in there, even if it was really embarrassing. It's like, Maddie got her pants leg stuck in the escalator, and that's not what killed her. She died of shame after having her underwear shown because it was the wrong day of the week. Yep. All right. I will say, uh, when I die, you need to definitely put in my obituary, like, a couple of random family members that don't actually exist. So future genealogy people will just be really fucking confused. He is survived by his brother, Linwell Miranda, and yeah. his cousin, Tom Hanks, and his daughter, somehow, Christy Teigen. Yes, even though she is a year older than me. No, you're the same age. Oh. <laughs> She's accomplished so much more than me. And then we'll really freak him out and say you're related to Ross Geller. Don't die when I'm oh, mad at you. Oh, fictional characters. Put in fictional <laughs> characters so that in future Austin generations. related to Colden Caulfield. It's like, it's like, well, you know, we thought they were fictional, but we found some collaborative evidence that they were actually a real person. Oh, my God. Guys, if you want to tell us like, your ideal obituary, please do. Yeah. And on that note, class, class dismissed. dismissed. Lift her up. You're not the boss of me. Ah, chaos. Bedlam.